Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. final week of a three-week series that we did called Family Foundations. In week number one, I addressed the fathers on Father's Day with the building blocks of fatherhood, and we talked about how important parenting uh, was in our family foundation. Last week, we talked to the married couples about the united marriage and how to build a strong marriage by following the leave and cleave principle. If you missed either one of those messages, you might want to go back and watch those, amen. And then today, though, I want to talk about another critical part of the family that is really quickly becoming overlooked in our society and underappreciated in its importance. And that is the role of the church in your family foundation. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 for our text today. And it says, even before... He made the world. God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us, notice this, into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Notice this, God adopted us into his own family. And you know what his family is? It is the body of of Christ. Amen. So today I want to talk to you on this subject, God's family. Everybody say God's family. Now as a pastor, one of the things that I do is I follow trends in our country about church attendance. And uh, there has been unfortunately a significant decline in church attendance since the turn of the 21st century. And in particular, since COVID, church attendance has changed dramatically. For example, online attendance is up, online viewing is up, but in-person physical attendance in church services in many churches has declined, and a lot of churches even closed down during the COVID period. And uh, there's a multitude of surveys out there from religious and non-religious organizations, but I try to follow these things. And uh, For example, a very recent Gallup survey revealed some interesting stuff about church attendance. And first of all, before you define what it is, you need to recognize that church attendance really depends on how you define what regular church attendance is, right? Now, and that definition has changed a lot, okay? For example, if by regular attendance you mean you come to church once or maybe more times per month, the number of Americans who say that they go to church once a month is 41%. Did you know they actually say now, somebody just shared this with me, that they actually say they define regular church attendance as coming to church once every six weeks. Now, I don't know about that, but we'll, we'll unpack that, 
okay? Now, if by regular you mean coming to church once a week, only 20% of Americans in the survey said that they go to church once a week. Now, and that number is down from 32% back in the year 2000. 57% of Americans in the survey said they seldom or never attend religious services at all. Now, but there is some good news in this last survey. And some of this was eye-opening to me. The good news that really stood out to me was it said that 39% of millennials, by the way, just to refresh you, millennials are those who were born between 1981 and 1996. My daughters are millennials. How can I hear a shout-out from the millennials? All right, there's some in the house. Amen. 39% of millennials attend church on a weekly basis. And get this, that's up from 21% in 2019. Amen. Amen. That is a significant increase over years prior. And here's another surprise. Millennials attend church at a higher regular rate of church attendance than Generation X. That's my generation between 1965 and 1980. Amen. And millennials are attending church more faithfully right now than boomers. That's the generation between 1946 and 1964. I see a couple of millennials starting to stick their chests out a little bit. Amen. You know what I love about that? It tells me the church is going to be safe and the church is in good hands. You know why? Because young adults are going to church more faithfully right now than any generation. Thank the Lord. Amen. Hear me. We have a young generation that is hungry for God. Oh, come on, somebody, which is why we need to have ministries that are designed and tailored to our children, to our students, and to our young adult population, amen. We need to pour resources and volunteer efforts into the younger generation, and we got to turn them loose for the kingdom of God, amen. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about that. I read another survey this week that encouraged me as well. And it said that although music was important to those who attend church faithfully, guess what? Music has now been eclipsed by something else that is driving church attendance. You know what the millennials said was the number one thing they were looking for in a church? Good, solid, biblical teaching and preaching. Come on, that's another good trend, amen. I'm going to tell you right now, I love good music. I love good air conditioning. I appreciate a cup of coffee at church in the morning, amen. But you know what I'm thankful for? I'm glad to know there's a generation that is ready and hungry for the Word of God. Oh, I need a little help in the house today, amen. Thank you, millennials, for pointing us in the right direction. Amen. Praise God for that generation. So, with all this, we always throw shade at the millennials. Thank God they're out attending church than the rest of us are. Amen. So, with all this talk about church, though, I want to tackle a big question. And here it is. Does the Bible say that Christians have to attend church? Now, let me go ahead and go where angels fear to tread today. Because here's the way. The question comes in a bunch of different forms. Do you have to go to church to be a Christian? Do you have to go to church to be saved? Do you have to go to church in order to get into heaven? And really, every question is really just a variation of a larger question, and that is, is church attendance necessary for the Christian life? See, the question appears 
like it should be simple enough. There ought to just be a simple answer of either yes or no. And I challenge, don't go, if you go home and Google the question, <laughs> you're going to find a multitude of sites offering opinions one way or the other. By the way, let me just give you a little insight into searching for stuff on the internet. Whatever your opinion is, you can find a source that will support your opinion. Follow the science, and guess what? There's science out there that will support whatever your position is on whatever the issue is. So we got to understand, just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's necessarily true, right? That's, that, I saw that was a quote by Abraham Lincoln. I saw that on the Internet. Amen. It had to be true. <laughs> but see, what is the problem? And I'll tell you what my problem is with that question. The problem I have is the way the, uh, the problematic way it is constructed. And that is this. What do we mean by have to go to church? See, have to is a lot different than get to. Amen? Or need to. Or really should. See, because when you say you have to, are we suggesting that uh, any confession of faith is rendered null and void uh, if you attend less than 45 times a year, or 26 times a year, or 50 times a year. You know, what is the number that means I've attended church faithfully? If so, what does this mean for people that have to work shift work and, and they can't be there? I asked Jordan Pavey about his fire department shift this week, and he tried to explain it to me, and I just gave up. Amen. I mean, they work 24, and then they're off 24, and then they work 24, and then there's a space in there where he's off three days, and I'm like, Dude, there's no way I can even keep up with this. What do you do about stuff like that if you want to attend church faithfully, right? What about people that have to work multiple jobs? Or what if you can't come to church at all on Sunday mornings and all you can do is watch online or maybe catch the occasional first Wednesday prayer? Amen. And then there's the word church. What exactly do we mean when we say church? Are we talking about a gathering of people in his name? Or are we talking about a physical building like the one that we're enjoying right now with this really good air conditioning? Amen. <laughs> what constitutes a church service? Do we mean the way we do it in America? Four songs, a sermon, an altar call, and an offering? Or do we mean the way they do it around the world? Because guess what? I hate to pop your bubble. Here in America, we're just a fingernail on the body of Christ. Come on, amen. They don't do church the way we do in a lot of places in the world. Does that mean the way we're doing it is right or the way they're doing it is wrong? What do we mean by church? Can a church service be a weekly hangout with guys eating pizza and having a Bible study? Is church a location or is it a way of life or is it both? See, I've got some of you thoroughly confused now, right? If church is a place I go, is my presence enough? Is showing up enough? Or do I have to participate in some way to validate my experience? What if I've been hurt by the church? Do I get a free pass? Do I get to not go to church because somebody in the church hurt me? Well, I can just tell you right now, you can get hurt on the job. You can, get, you can get your feelings hurt at the grocery store, amen. Go to any food lion, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. You can get your feelings hurt in the lobby. You can get your feelings hurt in the parking lot. So, so let's start with this. Does the Bible say that we must go to church to live a life of faith? 
I'm going to tell you, the answer is no, but the answer is also yes. Let's dive in a little bit. What if I told you that the Bible says no? Would it shock you to think that church attendance might not be absolutely necessary in order to live an active life of faith? Now, don't check out on me right here because I'm going to tell you right now, you're just looking at a guy, I believe in everything that the church does. If you want to know a fan of the church, you're looking at a fan of the church, amen? And if we do it around here, it's because we think it's important, amen? Because we're not just going to fill up your calendar with a, a bunch of superfluous activity. We're not just going to try to keep you busy till Jesus comes. If we're doing it, it's because we think it's important, amen? So, but, but when we make church attendance necessary for the Christian life or for our salvation, are we in danger of maybe making the gathering? into an activity of works or merit. See, we mistakenly assume that there's something, sometimes there's certain things that we think we just have to do to earn our place in God's kingdom. But the scripture is very clear, hear me, there's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. Now that, that flies in the face of how some of us were raised in church. But I want you to look at what Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2 and verse 8. He said, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and check this out, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then he explains it a little more in verse 9, not by works. And let me tell you, works is a very big umbrella. Not by works so that no one can boast. I remember growing up, and I'm not throwing shade, but I remember growing up in the church I grew up in, every year we had a little ceremony, and it was a badge ceremony. And we had these pins that they would give you if you had perfect attendance. And, and when the people would roll up on badge day, I mean, you know, some of them, now I'm not joking, they looked like a general from a banana republic. <laughs> they had a string their badge, like, you know, you got your little one-year badge, and that was a nice one. And then they would give you these little attachments. Second year, third year, fourth year. I mean, I'm not kidding. There were some, they'd roll, they had, their badges was a foot long because they did not miss a Sunday in 10 years. Now, you know what that tells me? God bless you. That tells me you probably came to church one day and you was breathing germs all over us. And you still should have stayed at home. <laughs> That and guess what? You got a special pass if you were on vacation. All you had to do was make sure you go to church while you were on vacation. You could keep the string alive. <laughs> and you know what? I get it. It's a fun way to encourage church attendance. But what if we feel like checking the box is earning us a little bit of special favor with God? See, it's a complicated question, and it deserves a good answer because, hear me, there's a lot of people that genuinely want to know, how does church attendance affect my relationship with Jesus? So let's start with this. Does the Bible say that we must go to church to live a life of faith? No. It doesn't say that. But guess what? Just because the Bible doesn't require something doesn't mean it's not something it encourages us to do. 
See, nowhere does the Scripture mandate your attendance at church as a matter of conviction for your salvation. But hear me. It's consistent also with Jesus' own life and how he did ministry. Countless rules and regulations dictated how the Jewish men and women would live their lives faithfully before God in Jesus' day. That involved everything, the stuff they ate, uh, when to go to work, how to work, who you associate with, where to be on certain days, what fa uh, uh, celebrations and feasts and, and parties you could celebrate. Jesus, though, often challenged those rules. And he allowed his followers to challenge them as well. As a matter of fact, there's one instance in Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> the Pharisees confronted Jesus about this, and they pointed out to him, and they said, Hey, Jesus, your followers are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. You know what Jesus did? He looked back at them. He said, hey, guys, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus taught that an ongoing, interactive, personal relationship with him was of far greater importance than merely following the rule book and checking off the box. Because hear me, spiritual activities, no matter how well-meaning, they always run the risk of obstructing our connection with Jesus. If, everybody say if. If it becomes an end to the means of validating our spirituality. Going to church just for church's sake, or just checking the box, or just because you feel obligated. I appreciate the discipline. I appreciate the faithfulness. But hear me, it doesn't do much for your spiritual growth unless you remember why you're there to begin with. Amen. So, the Bible says no, but the Bible also says yes. See, because despite frequently breaking the religious rules, despite being critical of the temple structure and many times of the leadership himself, the fact remains that Jesus was always and faithfully at the temple. Amen. It's, it's significant given the fact that Jesus really is the only person that probably had the right to say, I can live spiritual all by myself. <laughs> Amen. And yet, what did Jesus do? He gathered a community of believers around him. He lived his faith in the company of others. He attended worship at the temple. Jesus went to the version of church that they had daily, regularly. While Scripture doesn't command Christians to attend church, let me tell you, Scripture speaks very powerfully about the blessing of being in the church community and having church as a part of your spiritual foundation. Amen. I want you to look at what James said in James 5 and verse 14. He said, is anyone among you sick? Let him call, excuse me, for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to who? Each other. And pray for who? Each other so that you may be healed, and the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Call for the elders of, everybody say it, the church. The book of Hebrews said it this way in chapter 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, those who joined the Christian faith in the New Testament were immediately immersed in a dynamic, powerful, committed community of believers. Amen? 
I want you to take a look at a description of the early church from Acts chapter 2. Check out how they did life. It said, all the believers, verse 42, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their properties, verse 45, and possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And you know what the result of that level of commitment was? And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. The early church Amen. Thank you. The early church Christians were devoted, the Bible said, to prayer, fellowship, teaching, and breaking bread together. They met together in the temple. They met in homes. They met meeting together was the natural way that Christian people grew in their faith. Folks, hear me. The entire narrative of the Bible testifies to the importance of community in our spiritual lives. You hear us talk about it here at Life Church all the time. We gather. We gather on weekends for services like this. We connect through small groups three semesters a year, and we serve. We connect with each other by serving together on teams. Amen. Community is a vital part of the Christian experience. Amen. And from the very beginning in Genesis, God established a holy people. And by the way, always remember, most of the Bible is written to groups of people, not individuals. Amen. In fact, Scripture rarely addresses just an individual. Rather, it addresses people, a community of faith, witnessing the power and presence of the living God. And if the early Christians embodied their faith in the atmosphere of a community of believers, folks, why would we assume it was any less important for us today? Amen? See, ultimately, and this is an important uh, point I, I need to make today, we need to change the question. See, the question of whether or not we must go to church is not the question. It's like the guy who says, well, you know what? I don't want to go to church. My church is nature. See, I've had people say this to me before. Yeah, really? Uh, you know, I'm just going to worship God in the woods. I'm going to worship God on the deer stand. I'm going to worship God at my fishing spot. I'm going to worship God on the golf course. Okay. Can you worship God in all those places? Yes. But the real question is, of course you can, but here's, here it is. Do you? <laughs> do you? And if you do, do you do it every single time you go out there? See, because here's what I know. The first time you skip church and go golfing on a Sunday, it's going to feel like a great experience. Amen? I mean, oh, I'm free. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're so good. Thank you. This is the day the Lord has made. The Sabbath was not made for man. I mean, man, but no, however that goes, Lord, I'm just glad to be out here. Somebody passed me my driver. Amen. And you know, you, and maybe, maybe you can pull it off. But you know what happens? Sunday morning worship on the golf course will quickly just become nothing more than Sunday morning golf. I mean, it reminds me of a story I heard about a preacher. And, uh, man, he was just tired. He was burned out. So one morning he woke up, and he just decided, I'm calling in sick today. 
I don't feel like preaching. I want to go play golf. So he called the assistant pastor. He said, hey, oh, Pastor Rodney, I'm a little sick today. I need you to preach for me today. Just tell everybody I had to stay home. Say, okay, Pastor, we'll pray for you. As soon as he hung up the phone, man, he jumped in his car, threw his clubs in the trunk, and he drove about an hour and a half away because he didn't want nobody to catch him on the golf course, right? So he goes out there, and the angels are in heaven, and they're watching. What's this guy doing? Hey, can you believe he's the preacher? He lied. He just, he, he's good. And so they're like, okay. And one angel looks at them, and he goes, don't worry. Jesus is not going to let him get away with this. So he goes out there. He gets on the first tee box. He gets his driver out. He looks at a man, pow, 300 yards, right down the center of the fairway. And he's like, oh, I knew this was going to be a good day. And guess what? He starts playing the most incredible golf game of his life. He gets to the ninth hole. It's a par three. He pulls out his seven iron. He takes a good look. And he thought, you know what? I'm going to roll today. He hits it. Man, thing hits on the edge of the green. It bounces twice and it rolls right in the cup. Oh, it's first ever hole in one. I mean, he's excited. And now the angels are getting ticked off. He said, can you believe Jesus is letting him do And so, man, he goes to the clubhouse. He grabs a hot dog. He makes the turn. He goes to number 10, and he's just playing this incredible round. And he's making pars. He gets a birdie. I mean, he's doing 35-foot putts. He gets the hole 18. He's already had a hole in one. He's about to shoot par for the first time in his life. He rolls up to the last part three. He pulls out his five-iron. Crack, boom, bow, his second hole in one. He's leaping and dancing and shouting. And one angel said, it's, I've had enough. i got to go. And he goes straight up to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, why are you letting him get away with that? He lied. He's not sick. He skipped church. He's the pastor. And Jesus just looks at him and goes, yeah, but who is he going to tell? <laughs> who is he going to tell? Two hole-in-ones. He shot par, but who's he going to tell? Who's he going to tell? See, the truth is, folks, instead of asking, do I have to go to church? The real question is, can I really live out my faith in isolation? Can I maintain spiritual growth all by myself? Come on. Can I maintain an active prayer life? Do I... How do I serve others when there's no others in my life? Amen. How do I call for the elders of the church if I don't go to church and I don't have any elders? What about my kids? What are they going to learn from just me? What kind of friends are they going to grow up with? How strong will their faith be? See, folks, it's, not, it's important to not just look at this short term, but look at these things over the long haul. What's the true heart? What is the real reason behind not wanting to go to church? Amen. See, the real question is whether it is better for you to live out your faith in isolation or in the company of others. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about a toxic church. You do not have to stay in an unhealthy church. God wants you to be safe and healthy and whole. And if you're a part of a toxic church, man, get out of that church and find a healthy, Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. Amen. Amen. Jesus does not call you to stay in an unhealthy faith community if it's not going to change. See, going to church is not always easy. 
right? Can we just say that out loud? It may not always fit into your schedule. It may not always feel, you may not, you're not going to wake up every Sunday morning just gnawing at the bit and leaping out of bed going, whoa, I get to go to church today. It doesn't work that way, amen? I'm the preacher and it doesn't always work that way for me, amen? Sometimes it just feels like it's easier to stay home. But remember, the church is not beneficial because it is the church. The church is beneficial because we come immersed in a community of support and encouragement and challenge and ministry. Amen. This past week, a group of our students and young adults, they had an amazing experience. They went to a conference in Memphis, Tennessee with tens of thousands of other teenagers and young adults. I'm going to tell you right now, that does not happen without being connected to a local church. By the way, that conference does not happen unless a church in Memphis, Tennessee decides to make the sacrifice to open up their doors to thousands of kids from around the country. Amen. Thank God for the church. See, the bottom line is, hear me, Jesus may not demand that you attend church, but that does not mean that he does not want you to participate in one either. See, one of the greatest indicators of your faith is your relationship with the church. Now, some of you might not like that statement, but it's true, because all of us have probably experienced good things and bad things in the church. By the way, if you've been going to church any amount of time, you're going to experience good stuff and bad stuff in the church. Some of you might have left the church because you moved, or maybe you were hurt by people in the church, or, or you disagreed with how something was, was handled. Maybe you didn't like one of the pastors, or maybe you heard some disturbing rumors, or maybe they had terrible coffee. I don't know. Thank God for good coffee, right? But hear me. Anytime you leave a church, it complicates your relationship with the church just a little bit. Because a lot of people have left the church, big C, the body of Christ, because of an experience that they had in the church, little C, local church. Because I'm going to just tell you right now, there's a lot of little C's out there that maybe are not that healthy, that are maybe not doing things right, but you can't let a bad experience with little C ruin your experience with big C the body of Christ. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you, it's not all bad. You know what I focus on? People who give their lives to the Lord. People that are baptized. People that whose marriages are put together. Amen. People that come to recovery groups. I'm not going to call them out, but there's a man that's been coming to a recovery group here at this church for over a year, and he just started attending this church back in January, and then he just joined the church recently. Amen. You know why? He didn't come to the he didn't walk in these doors because he wanted to hear the praise team. He didn't come to this church because he wanted to hear the music. He came to this church because he started going to a dependency group on Thursday nights that helped him with his addictions. Come on. You and I need the body of Christ. See, I believe that your relationship with the church is an important part of your relationship with God, and the two are connected. The church, the body of believers that you're a part of, belongs to Christ. You belong to Christ. And I'm just going to tell you, why do we have a problem with something that Jesus died for? Amen? It's like saying, I had a bad experience in a restaurant, so I'm never going to a restaurant again. Well, that might be true, but I am not going to let one bad experience stop me from enjoying restaurants, amen? 
I'm not going to let one bad, uh, I've gotten good cups of coffee at places before. I've gotten bad cups of coffee. But guess what? This brother's going to keep on buying coffee. Amen. You know why? Because I love coffee. I don't always like the place that dispenses. And I may not always have a good experience with the server. Somebody may not always know how to roast the beans, but that doesn't make the product any less important to me in my life. See, we are His, first and foremost. Attempting to reject or distance ourselves from the church is, in fact, distancing ourselves from Christ because it's His body and it's His bride. Let me quickly give you three realizations why the church is an important part of your foundation and should be a part of your foundation before we close. Here it is, number one. The church is where every Christian realizes they are part of God's people, not just a person following God. Folks, this is a big distinction. It's an important thing that you need to understand because the desire of God has always been to have a people not just a bunch of little autonomous individuals going around doing their own thing for the glory of God. Amen. You are a part of a bigger group. Amen. Giving glory to God was and it always has been a communal activity. For the nation of Israel, for example, the Bible says God blessed them, punished them, made covenants with them, and expected loyalty from them as a people. As a group, look at Jeremiah 32. Here's what he said about Israel. Jeremiah 32, 38. They will be my people, and I will be their God. And I love these verses. And I will give them one heart and one purpose to worship me forever for their own good and for the good of all their descendants. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good for them. I will put a desire in their hearts to worship me, and they will never leave me. Hallelujah. And then this idea of people was extended to the Gentiles, to everyone who put their faith in Christ. Amen. Because if you know your Bibles, for most of history, the Jews and the Gentiles were enemies of one another, and God called the people together, the Jews. Thank God he opened the door to the Gentiles because your boy is a Gentile. And I'm glad he opened the door for us as Gentiles to join the body of Christ. God planned to unite everybody who would call Jesus their Lord. Ephesians 2 and 15 says, He did this, how? By ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations, and He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by what? Creating in Himself one new people from the two groups. One new people. The body of Christ. Verse 16, he said, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by how? By means of his death on the cross. And I love this part. What was the result? Our hostility toward each other was put to death. You want to know what the problem, the solution is for our world's problems right now? It's found in verse 16. If we could get the world at the feet of the cross, all these hostilities would be put down in the name of Jesus. The racial tension, the political division, the wars between nations, come on. It could all be settled at the feet of Jesus. Come on. Russia and Ukraine would not be happening if we submitted ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Black and white tension would not be happening if we would submit ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody. All this Democrat, Republican, Independent, it's fun. It's fun to fight and bicker about politics. But at the end of the day,
We're supposed to come together as one body of believers who sit at the feet of Jesus and worship him as our Lord and Savior. Sometimes we just got to agree to disagree about some stuff. And we need to unite on the things that we have in common instead of focusing on the stuff that we disagree with. And that leads me to the next point, why the church is so powerful. The church is where diversity and unity come together to glorify God. Come on, I'm talking about the Christian church. The Christian church, hear me, is the most unique assortment of people in the world. Amen. Because for the most part, every other world religion is centered around either a particular culture, a particular geographic uh, area, or maybe even a particular race. They're grouped together on those things. And you know what's unique about Christians? We have Christians in almost every country on the face of the earth. There are Christians in almost every demographic group. There are Christians in every racial group. Amen. We are not just one demographic, one uh, geographic location. We are not just one race. We are a united group of diverse people who come together. Why would we want to uh, not have that as part of our lives? Amen? See, across these many cultures, there's unity that we're all part of the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 4. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Verse 13, some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. That's why you make a difference. That's why you matter. You're a part of the body that is unique, amen. We don't all have the same gifts, the same roles, the same experiences, the same backgrounds, the same needs. You can learn a lot from one another, and we can serve one another by using our gifts for the glory of God. And folks, I'm going to tell you right now, if you see something in the church that is a need, guess what? God might have sent you to meet that need. Amen. Christians living in community is what helps us survive. Folks, I'm going to tell you right now, our world needs to see a church united when they are so quick to be divided over racial lines, political lines, social justice issues. The church is where diversity and unity come together for the glory of God. And then the final reason, and I want the praise team to come on up, the another reason you need the church in your life is the church is who Christ gave his life for. Amen. If you're a Christian, I'm just going to say it. How can you say you hate the church when Jesus gave his life for the church? If you're a Christian, how can you say you hate the body when the body is God's body, God's people? Jesus had bigger plans than just saving you personally or me personally. You know who his plans were for? I preached about this three or four weeks ago. John chapter 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody say the world. He didn't just give his life for your denomination. He didn't just give his life for your theological viewpoints. He didn't just give his life for white people or black people or brown people. He didn't just give his life for just Jews or just Gentiles. 
the scripture made that very clear. He gave his life for the whole world. The whole world. God's plan was not just for you and me. It was for the entire world to have the opportunity to believe. And all who do become members of the church. Big C. And then you make a choice to become a member of a local church. Little C. That's an important decision as well. Amen. Because I want little C to help me be a part of big C. I want you to stand with me all over this house. Your faith may be deeply personal, and it should be. And your choice to follow God may have been one that you made in private. But hear me, when you became a Christian, you joined the people of God, His church. And your faith can and never should be separated from the church. You need the church. The church needs you. Your family needs Can I just speak real quick because this has been a series on family. If you have children that are still in school or even in college, you need to make church a priority in your life. Come on. You need to make sure it's a priority in your life. Because they need to know. It needs to be put in them, amen? Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. It's so important that we put those roots in there. We need each other. You know, some weeks, man, we're walking high on the mountain, and other weeks, man, we're just dragging through the valley. And that's when it's good to have a brother or a sister to come along beside you and put their arms around you and say, you know what, we're a community, we're a family, we're part of the same body, amen? So here's what I want to do as we close our service today. If you want to build strong families, if you want our families to have a right foundation, make sure that the church is a part of it. Because when you became a Christian, you joined the largest community in the world. Don't just attend church, but be active in church. Now, listen, I'm preaching to the choir, right? You guys are here on 4th of July weekend. Hallelujah. I'm not questioning your commitment. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you only come once a month or once every six weeks, why don't you say, you know what? I think I can do better than that. I think I can commit myself to being faithful. Because you never know, the week you stay home may be the very week that something happens that you really needed to experience personally. And I'm going to tell you, if you're watching online, online is great, but I'm just going to be honest. Online is a great substitute for being here in person. If you're watching online and you don't live in, in the Richmond, Virginia area, I encourage you to find a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-anointed church. Amen. Watch online when you can't be in per- here in person. If you live in Central Virginia, if you live in the Richmond area, I want to invite you to come to Life Church. Check it out. Amen. I met a man in the first service, first-time guest. And I said, how'd you find out about it? He said, I've been watching you online for weeks. I said, where do you live? He said, right next door. I mean, I was like, do you mean literally? He said, yeah, I live in one of those houses that way. Living right next door. Thank God for online church. It was the gateway to get a Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to pray together as a family. It's not high pressure. 
But if you consider Life Church your home, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to step out. We're going to come down to the front, and we're just going to pray together and say, God, I want to thank you for my church. It ain't perfect. And guess what? That's what I love about Life Church. We don't pretend to be perfect either. Or maybe you don't have a church home yet, and you're not even sure yet. I just want to encourage you to pray. God, align me with a good Christian church family because I know I need it, and I know there's going to be times when they're going to need me. And then as we pray and just begin to ask the Lord, say, God, what can I do? I don't want to just be a passive observer. I want to be an active participant. And that might be the step of commitment that some of you need to make here today. Maybe you come. Maybe you come faithfully. And by the way, I'll just tell you what my definition of faithful church attendance is. You want to hear what it is? Coming every time you're able to come. That's it. That means if I'm not on vacation, if I'm not sick and I'm not working, I'm coming to church. Right? If I get to go on a cruise around the world, I'll see y'all in four months. Amen. If I got to work overtime for a few weeks because my job, I'm having a shutdown on my job, and they need, guess what? I'm still faithful. I'm not backslid. I'm just doing what I got to do to do. So here's my, 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 my challenge to everybody in here. Be as faithful as you can be and watch God bless your life. Amen. And if you're already coming and you've been coming for a long time, you're not serving on a team, make that next step. Say, I'm not just going to be a sponge. I'm going to be a dispenser. I'm not just going to drink from the cup. I'm going to pour into the cup so we all get to drink from it together. Amen. As the praise team begins to sing, why don't we lift our hands and let's just thank God for His church, God's family, the body of Christ. Amen. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. When God is shouting. Come on, He's in this place. Yes, God, I thank you. I thank you for the Thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.